Well, goddamn, everybody. It's episode 11 of Critical, the history of pro wrestling video games. I am Mongo, joined by Lagerboo. So this week, we will be talking about Def Jam Vendetta, which is a tremendous game. Uh, we'll also be talking all of the news. I'm probably going to get angry about a topic that anybody that follows me on Twitter is already expecting me to get angry about. And we'll probably talk some action figures at the end. But first, how are you this week? Um, Well, it's been a, a rough week, I won't lie. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, no it's okay. It, it's It's been a lot, but... Uh... The weekend, you know, it's good to have the weekend and uh, sort of um, slow things down a bit. But um, yeah, I, I mean, there seems to be quite a lot to talk about this week in regards to news anyway. Yeah, uh, which we'll get into real quick. So, AEW Fight Forever, absolutely not launching in February. It was announced by IGN yesterday that the game will be involved in some shape, form, or fashion at the IGN Fan Fest next month. No specific date was given. They will have Evil Uno, Nyla Rose, and Danhausen. No mention of THQ Nordic developers. And my reaction to this was mixed. Because, hey, cool, there will be some sort of an update. But also, oh, hey, there's no devs. And you have one person who, and I'm a big Danhausen fan. You have one person who's not even in the game. So what is he going to be able to contribute? And then it dawns on me, it's just going to be a gimmick Q&A. We might get a little gameplay footage. We're probably not going to get any substantial information. And at this point, I, I don't know who it is to blame. Like, AEW is, like, dead in their action figure line. And we can talk about that when we do figure talk. I think I talked about it last week. But um, they're terrible at, like, showing anything and things just kind of end up coming out. That's not how video games work, for one. And two, like, I I see more people just kind of exhausted by the wait and see approach to the marketing for this game and if you're trying to sell a decent amount of copies of a game that's been in development for two and a half three years at this point and you've sunk eight figures into the game and you want to make that money back the last thing you need to be doing is this marketing and i know i'm a fucking broken record ask anybody who's known me for any number of years i will talk about the same thing six times in one day is just how it is but i'm doing it once a week here the marketing has been atrocious. And then I, I started thinking, THQ Nordic has done some really weird shit. Like when their community manager, their senior community manager, who mocked wrestling fans wanting to see AEW fight forever during the Gamescom live stream, go back and watch the Wreckfest footage from that live stream. Because he was mocking the wrestling fans. Like, all these people want to do is wrestle. They're crazy. And shit like that. And then he was the one that said the thing about, like, we, we can't we can't make Kenny shut up, which as, like, the worst person in that Discord pointed out, that was, like, a huge, like, yikes. Like, maybe if you can't word it better than that, you shouldn't be interacting with customers because you are shitting on the person that you've presumably paid to license their fucking video game. Now, all of that in consideration... Mocking wrestling fans when you work for a company that bought the name rights to THQ is fucking insane. Because if you ask anybody, what would you associate with THQ from the late 90s to the early 2010s when they went under? What what one fucking genre do you think you're going to hear more than almost anything else? Rugrats. Wrestling. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, they only made like three Rugrats games. Uh, yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. more. I just remember the three. But like wrestling is the fucking thing that built THQ. Obviously they had that run of SpongeBob games in the two thousands that everybody liked, but those eventually fucking went away. 
obviously people like destroy all humans one and two when they came out but those eventually went away the one thing thq published up until the very fucking end was pro wrestling games or wwe games in particular they only did you know the handful of wcw games we talked about but how do you acquire that company? They even did the nostalgia bit in the fucking trailer where they it goes did. from like the THQ Nordic logo to the last the THQ logo, logo to yeah. the fucking, yeah. How do you do that? And you mock the fucking people who you're pandering to for their nostalgia. If anything else, you should be catering to them who was instead of fucking mocking them on a live stream. That's insane. Sorry. Who was the interview with again? On oh, the was it wasn't, uh, wasn't the interview. It was the Gamescom, yeah, yeah. THQ Nordic Gamescom stream, like their own stream. Oh, okay. But was and it was like their community manager? I, I, I don't want to make, I don't want to say the wrong name because I know it. I, I know who it might be. Uh, their name is like Ziddy, Z Y D D I E. Because mm-hmm. I popped into their live stream because they were playing, um, uh, Days Gone, and I was like, oh, I've heard about this game. I'll watch somebody play it, and their shit popped up on my timeline because I do follow them, and um, or I did. And I was like, oh, this is wild. And then he started talking, and I was like, oh, this is the fucker that like was making fun of wrestling fans all day at Gamescom until they fucking finally switched over to the AEW shit. It's just a bad look, and I still think this game does well, because it's the first. And apparently for several years, it's the only one we're going to get, which is smart. Like, drop one game and constantly update it. We don't need this to be a yearly fucking title. But... Like I said, people are exhausted with like the we're going to give you crumbs and then nothing. Because think about this. If it weren't for the people who captured the off-screen footage from Tokyo Game Show and uh, German Comic Con, it would have been a three-month lag between the Omega and Cole match and the Full Gear trailer. Yeah, it's, it's been ridiculous to say the least. And between the time from Nyla and Statlander's little reveals, if you can even call them that, to the Gamescom stuff was three months. And before that, it was eight months. Like, I, I get you don't want to show too much when the game's still in its, like, nascent stages of development, but it's clearly not now. Like, it, it's time to pony the fuck up. And, again, I'll, I'll say it's on blue in the face. I think the game looks great. The gameplay we saw, not just the, the footage that was carefully worked by THQ, to show the game off and make it look good. But the AI versus AI matches from uh, Tokyo Game Show looked wonderful. The AI isn't stupid. We'll see how that is when you're playing against the AI, but AI versus AI looked perfectly fucking fine to me. And the stuff we saw, like the 18-second clip from like German uh, Comic-Con, that looked really good too. The little bit we saw off-screen from Gamescom before people started getting threatened to not record stuff, like that looked good too. This game looks like it's going to be fucking good. I just want to see more of it and like know when I'm going to be getting it. I want to give them money for it, but I can't until they tell me when. I've had it pre-ordered for months now. Um, but me too. You talk about like people being exhausted, and that's where I am at this point. I'm just I'm sort of tired of talking about AEW. I mean, obviously we have to because there's news and it's an upcoming game, but like it's just like come on. I mean, it's January now. The feeling was that it was going to be released in February, and it obviously doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. They're probably getting closer to the release of WWE 2K23, which is kind of scary on on their part, I think. But 
I don't know, we'll see when they eventually release the release date, see how close it actually is. Do you think they dropped the release date at IGN FanFest or around it? I think they should. I, I do too, but like, what are the realistic odds? This game doesn't exist. The real AEW fight <laughs> forever is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, oh, Christ, I mean, what if, can you imagine this like delayed again? That would be insane. Like, I mean, there's no release date anyway, so seeing delayed is, is a bit odd, but you know, still don't announce a release date and we're still waiting months on end. That would, yeah, that would be so bad. They do, if, if they drag this out, they do run the risk of people just jumping off the game, because and I was saying this, like, a year and a half ago. Like, I was saying this two years ago. The worst thing they could do, and I was especially saying this once it was announced WWE 2K22, or 2K21, rather. Yeah, 2K21 got canceled, and then they announced their game at the end of 2020, and then it was obvious in 2021 we weren't getting 2K22. The worst thing they could have done was let 2K have one unobstructed swing. Yeah, and then they fucking did, and people liked that game for a little bit. Some of them still do. It would be remarkably stupid to let 2K get two swings, and I understand they're not making the same kind of game. But to some wrestling fans, a wrestling game is a wrestling game, especially to the younger generation that doesn't maybe understand what it is they're going for in terms of gameplay. No, absolutely. I I wonder what the thought process right now is with Ukes because. You're talking about a company that, when they left uh, 2K, you know, they threw around the idea of making their own game, like an unlicensed game, and now they've been thrown into all the situation with THQ and um, AEW, and, you know, Brian Williams has left the company. I wonder how they're feeling right now. I think the fucking, the line about the, we're making our own unlicensed game, that was thrown out there to let... To, to let people know they were working on something because the Brian Williams interview with Dre 41 from late 2020, which was listed then unlisted. Now it's relisted. They were working that entire time to hammer out a deal for AEW. And I think the interview with uh, Hiromi was from the summer of 2019. And Brian Williams met with uh, Chris Harrington at all out in 2019 to kind of hammer out the budget and the time frame. I'm assuming they've gone well over both. but uh i'm kind of curious what happens moving forward with um hukes as it pertains to um like new japan because tanahashi did an interview last summer saying he wanted to collaborate with hukes again and if hukes retains any sort of ownership over this engine i would absolutely fucking love to see like a virtual pro wrestling successor you can call it wrestle kingdom 3 i don't give a shit i just want this engine with the New Japan roster, and also, they seem to be open to doing stuff with Legends more so now than they had been for the last several years. So yeah, give me the give me the AEW game engine with uh, Hashimoto and Anoki and Budo and Shibata, and I guess you can give me a comment to it. But, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where Yuke's goes after this game's launch, for sure. I mean, And you mentioned it. Oh, go on. I was just going to say, with Yuke's, like, you're talking about a studio that has really only done wrestling games for several years now, so what else do they have to survive on, you know? Uh, Earth Defense Force. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, a sequel to Real Steel, which I heard was a good game. I heard that too. <laughs> uh, 
I, I never watched the movie or whatever it was based on, but you did mention 2K, and then I mentioned 2K. Mike Straw reported this week that Bad Bunny is expected to be involved with WWE 2K23 in a similar role to Machine Gun Kelly Not surprising. in 2K22. Yeah, so they're expecting... And, and Mike didn't get hard confirmation on this, but what he was told seems to indicate that Bad Bunny will not only be playable... He will also be curating the soundtrack for the game, so that's that's something, I guess. Um, SRS reiterated on a Q&A, I believe it was Friday, that he was told a bunch of video game news was coming this month. It looks like a bunch of 2K23 news is coming this month, which if you're excited for 2K23, that's great. I refuse to be excited unless they show me another super expensive version of the game that comes with WCW content. Then I will be excited. That's literally the only reason I bought 2K22. They showed me that fucking NWO edition, and I went, goddamn, pal. Because I'm a sucker for WCW. You, you put some WCW in front of me, and I, I might hand you some money. I don't think there's really a whole lot else on the 2K23 front. Masante um, Bueno, heaven sent, like clockwork, Sunday morning, dropped a video uh, showing off some ground strikes and other ground moves. Uh, broken record once again, but it looks real good. Yeah, I agree. Just want to play it. Me too. Um, I see the same thing every week virtual. as well. Yeah, yeah, we're just a broken record. Just copy and paste this next week. <laughs> uh, virtual Basement hasn't updated in a month. Uh, 2022 was all gameplay. 2023 is not all uh, gameplay. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what 2023 is going to be. Oh, by the way, we got to talk about our buddy Ultra Pro Wrestling because I'm pretty sure in your replies I found a burner. You know what? Um, I don't think it was. I, I like to believe that, but looking at that person's tweets, I just thought that was some weirdo. Okay, well, for those of you wondering, um, the tweet for last week's episode, which if you're listening to this, you probably listened to last week's episode, uh, was replied to by somebody who took issue with the idea of M. Dickey being mad at AEW, even though he clearly fucking was. Yeah. What is it about, like, shithead game developers from the UK that, like, AEW just drives them nuts? I have no idea. What is it? I mean, I understand being driven nuts by all this this hullabaloo and waiting for release dates and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as the game itself, I don't know. No idea. Yeah, but the M. Dickey game has 20 characters in the ring at once, never mind the fact it's as playable as a beta of fucking backstage assault. Yeah. I, Jesus Christ. That's, I, when I looked, when I saw the Ultra Pro, like, what was it, like 10 wrestlers in the ring at once or something like that? I can't even remember. I was like, damn, yeah. that's, that's a cool idea. And it's, it's a cool idea. It's just you wonder, like, how fun that'll be at the end of the day. As, as you brought up previously on a previous episode, when you have so many people in the ring at once, it, it can you know, lessen the, the fun factor of the game itself. Right. I don't know. I, I don't like ultra pro wrestling. I, I don't wish for that project to be successful. That guy is a doo-doo brain. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to say about it. Sorry to use such strong language I know, I might on have the to, show. I'll have to set this as explicit again. Oh, Lord. Well, I'm sorry. Just tanking the uh, the viability of this as a as a fucking podcast for small children to listen to, I guess. But anyway, our topic at hand this week. Oh, no, Pilot61, uh, Phase 2. Yes. I, I'm sorry, I forget to check your Twitter every week. Um, cool little video showing that you can counter counters, and the animations look really neat. A little wonky, but, like, I, it looks better than, than most. 
It's got like sort of Frankensteiner a, in the clip. Sort of a PS1 feel to it. Like, uh, not graphically, really, but, like, in the, the the movements and stuff. And it's going for that, like, turn-based, like, move system, which gives me that... Do you remember that game on uh, PS1? What was it called? There was two. and I have one. I have the first one. There was one's, like... One was for singles matches, and the other one was tag team matches, and it was, like, a, an RPG-based game. Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely, yes. Yeah, they weren't very good, but it was kind of a neat idea. And I think this is yeah, I the like, same thing. I like the animations. Yeah. I think wonky was the wrong word. Floaty is a... Um, floaty, yeah. The, the, the Frankensteiner in the clip is very floaty. Yeah. Having said that, not a whole lot of video game news this week. Uh, figure talk at the end will contain a bunch, but... Uh, to move on to the main topic, and I really wish... Oh, no, there's a clip from the like the early version of the intro that doesn't have the music. I really wish we could drop D-Mob's like, line, like his whole monologue from the opening of the game right here, because I love it. Christopher Judge, I believe, voices D-Mob in the yeah, first game, which yep. if you've played the modern God of War games, uh, it's funny that... He did the first big role that I knew him for was was this. I knew him from uh, uh, Stargate SG One, where he played Teal'c, and he was creating that show. I never watched Stargate. I watched a lot of Star Trek TNG, but that's like that's like it. He's also um, in um, The Dark Knight Rises. He has a very short scene in that movie. I watched that movie one time. I've watched it like twenty times, but good lord. So this game is born out of the EA and Aki agreement that saw WCW Mayhem 2 start development uh, and then get unceremoniously shit-canned by the WWF. Fuck you, Vince. Every time I saw like a move in this game, like the, te- the <laughs> Tequila Sunrise or like DMX was like a, a spear, I was like, jeez. Thinking like, <laughs> was, that, been. Yeah, or was that meant for somebody else? Who knows? So they pivoted, and under the EA Sports big brand, which, fun note, this is the only wrestling game that EA ever published under an EA Sports label. The two WCW games were published as Electronic Arts. Yeah. Um, Fight for New York was considered a fighting game, not a wrestling game, and as such got the EA label, <clears throat> which was cool, because that was the EA Challenge Everything era, and that's like the era of like Lord of the Rings The Third Age, which is a wonderful Final Fantasy X ripoff. Back to this game, though, I was really excited um, because my cousin told me, like, there's a there's an EA Sports, the basically an EA Sports arcade wrestling game. And then, like, we fucking we rented it and it took me about like 14 seconds into the first match from huh, this place a lot like No Mercy. And then, like, we fucking we went back to the main menu and there's like the, the start screen, really. And there's like the Aki Corporation logo, and I went, ah, there yeah. it is. As soon as you see that logo, it's you these know. guys. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, you're in good hands because they don't miss. So, for those of you unfamiliar, it is a wrestling game that features rappers that were under contract to Def Jam. Uh, so you get uh, Scarface, Nore, uh, DMX, Redman, Method Man, Joe Budden, Ghostface Killer, Ludacris. I feel like I'm missing somebody. I feel like I'm missing a few people, actually. I'm trying to remember, like, all of the big story mode fights. Is Keith Murray... Yeah, Keith Murray's in this game. He's not in the sequel. You get the soundtrack that is pretty goddamn great. Yeah. Uh, 
so I'll never forget like the first time I played this game was basically my introduction to rap. I wasn't allowed to watch like MTV or VH1 as a kid because my parents were old. Damn. Yeah. Like my my rap knowledge when I was a kid was like one of my cousins said Gangsta's Paradise, like the cassette. Back Julio did the Keenan and Kel theme song, and then whatever like bits of it I would hear through like TV shows and advertisements and K Quick and Road Dog. My sister bought me Gangsta's live... Paradise when I was like ten for my birthday. It's a great fucking song. Yeah. Great song. Um there's a story mode in the game, which we'll talk about in a minute. I, I guess I guess to open up, uh, we'll get out in front of this. There are no gimmick matches in this game. Which I what, what would you even put in? It's it's a wrestling game about rappers. You could have put in a ladder match. Or a cage match. I think, uh... I think a ladder match would have worked. I mean, you could add some sort of silly gimmick on top that you're trying to reach instead of a belt or something. Maybe money I or something. I guess, but... Yeah, I... I don't know that I would want a cage match. I, I no, hate the Aki cage matches. But I think it would have fit the, the, the style. I mean, they, they sort of had... I don't know if they had, like, cages on certain arenas in the second one or in... They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of different... There's a bunch of different gimmicks in, like, the subway match, the brimstone. Yeah. Actually, I think they just have, like, straight up, it's called an Inferno match. I think so, uh, yeah. You have the match where you, like, destroy the other guy's, um... The other guy's, like, tricked-out SUV. <laughs> uh, they have... They have, like, a couple of different, like, ring-out matches. So, like, the second one's much more of a proper 3D fighting game, and we'll cover that uh, sometime down the road. Uh, this game, it's standard singles match, tag match, three-way, four-way, handicap match. The, base, the bare minimum, uh, without having any sort of actual gimmick matches. There are no weapons in this game. There are in the sequel. Uh, the biggest change to gameplay is you no longer have a spirit meter. You have a health meter... And you have a crowd meter, I think is what it's like officially referred to as, which basically is that builds up, it starts flashing, flick the right stick, strong grapple, right stick. There you go. It's an Aki wrestling game. You know how it works. The main method of winning matches in this game is whittle your opponent down to the danger part of their health meter and hit them with your finisher, which is called a blazon move. And these are like insane, over-the-top, physics-defying moves, and all of them rule. I want somebody to recreate these for Fire Pro World. Basically, just turn Fire Pro World into a Def Jam sequel. It'd be great. Otherwise, the gameplay is essentially the same. Like, you do have the pop-ups on screen to, like, mash buttons to get out of pins and submissions. And there's a meter that shows you, like, the limb health. And obviously, when the limb health is down to zero, you tap out. Well, common sense. What they removed, though, in regards to pins is they removed the ability to drag your opponent, which sucks because i had so many rope breaks like obviously you want to end the match with the blazing move but in story mode you know the, the as the opponents get harder doing one finisher isn't enough to fit to win the match so you start have to keep wearing them down and then i would try to do pins but every time i tried to do a pin i was near the ropes and i couldn't drag them which was very frustrating you know honestly i didn't even notice that i just my last playthrough, I just got really hard-headed and committed to beating people with fucking finishers. Yeah, I, I tried. Um, I got sick of, like, doing second finishers, so I was like, whatever, I'll just pin them. And then every time I would try, there was, like, rope break, rope break, and I was like, god, they removed the drag, didn't they? And true enough, yeah. That's, yeah, I've never noticed that in the game. Yeah. Crazy. Obviously, as mentioned, the big thing here is story mode, where you play as one of four characters, Briggs, who looks suspiciously like a more realistic version of Guile, uh, Tank, who's like a B 
big dude with like a backwards hat and sunglasses. You've got Spider, who looks like a character that would be on your team in NBA Street, which I'm assuming that was that was the intention, is to kind of make him look like sort of a crossover character because NBA Street was the big brand for uh, EA Sports Big. Those games and then you well. had Proof. Yeah, Volume 2 in particular yes, is yeah. unbelievable. Unfortunately, we're not a basketball podcast. Or else <laughs> not yet. Be... <laughs> give, give me a couple of weeks to talking about <laughs> games I don't like again, and we'll fucking see where this goes. But uh, And then last is Proof, who I think is everybody's favorite because he has like the coolest moveset. He looks cool. He's like the kind of... I don't even know what the hell you call his gear. It's like a motorcycle outfit, kind of. I don't even. I didn't even play as him. So I played a spider, who actually doesn't yeah, have well, the best moveset. But I didn't know the movesets. Be he has that like though. sweet spinning rock bottom though. He does, which is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I guess overall his moveset's not too bad. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Dub C is in this game. Yeah. Of all the names, I forget. I forget that one. I I remember fucking Keith Murray's in the game, but Dub C blanked on that one. I guess. I, I'm a big fan of in this game and in general so the story mode is basically your friend manny that useless fuck he bails you out of, or he needs you to bail him out he's he's gambled his way into debt with the i i, I think it's supposed to be Demob, the uh the champion of def jam or whatever um manny's been i guess betting on himself in matches and losing he got hurt needs you to bail him out so you go to the first club you beat three dudes, which culminates in you fighting Scarface. Basically, you'll fight through generic kind of opponents to get to, like, an actual Def Jam name. Because I think it goes, like, Scarface, N-O-R-E, Nori. Ludacris, Nori, yeah. I, I watched the White Rapper show in fucking 2007, and they only referred to him as N-O-R-E. Yeah, so I, I didn't thought know I'd before. <laughs> So I just, that's just how I've referred, like, MC Search called him that, and I'm like, that's his name, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> I don't think there's a wrong way to pronounce it, I guess, because I've, I've heard it, I've heard it said both ways, I just went with, you know, MC Search, because I love the White Rapper show. Uh, you'll fight Ludacris, there's a tag tournament that culminates with you fighting Method Man and Red Man, and the last stop before Def Jam, well, the second to last, because there's a thing we'll talk about in a minute, uh, is DMX in the junkyard? That's my. That to me is where the game peaks because you're yeah. fighting the greatest of all time in the fucking junkyard, and it just—he's so much fun to fight. Even though we'll talk about the AI in a minute, uh, he's he's so much fun to fight. There is an Aki handicap match. It's the second to last thing oh my before God. the big gauntlet at the end, and I fucking hated this shit when I was a kid, and I fucking hate it now. The whole idea is you're supposed to beat up the smallest guy, Peanut, but right? he always sticks around. Pockets. Pockets, right. <laughs> it's Pockets, Snowman, and House. And House is actually my favorite character in the game because of his back finisher. It was just a sleeper hold because he's so big. He like, he's like Pixie pulling up off the ground, basically hangs them in a sleeper hold. I mean, there's this other moves in the game I might actually like more. Like uh, Nine does that insane like 10-foot backflip pedigree. But yeah, anyway, you have to fight these guys. And the idea is you beat up the little guy and hit him with your blaze and you win the whole fucking thing. I've, I've made that strategy work like three times my entire life. The rest of the time, I just have to beat the fuck out of house because Pockets wants to hang out with him. Very frustrating. Then you I, fight um, a few more guys, and then you get D-Mob gone. I got to that 
three-on-one handicap match and I knew it was coming and I knew I remember the arena because it's like uh, after it's like closed and the lights are dark and stuff and yeah it, it's the face club it's as soon the as the first arena from the game yeah and it was um angels like I'll meet you here blah 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 and I was like is this it and then as soon as the, the cutscene loads and I see the arena I was like oh no so <laughs> I beat down pockets and I hit my blazing and of course as soon as I do like the, the other two come after me then at one point they started like triple stomping me when I was on the ground and I was like there's nothing I could do and then I got up and then they started double teaming me um snowman hit the blazing and I was killed so and I was like fuck this and I quit it's it's a stopping point for a lot of people yeah. um throughout story mode I think it's like there's three distinct points you'll get approached by two women at the start of the oh game my God. you'll get to pick one of them yeah let me let me get this out <laughs> you have to wrestle a match with the women and then whoever wins or whichever one you pick becomes your girlfriend and then there's a second encounter where another girl will approach you you play the fight again and it eventually culminates in the ludicrous because i i have to get this line in because it, it's funny how long it took me to actually get what they meant i knew i know where um, you're going with this yeah yeah so at the end this one girl walks up to your girlfriend and just Basically, they talk about how lame all the guys are, and they say, let's go find a real G spot. <laughs> and when I was, like, 11, I was like, what? I did, I forgot the line was in the game, and I was like, holy shit. I kind of did, too. But like, when I played the game when I was 14, I was like, oh, okay, they're going to go. Oh, okay, I, I get it. Yeah. And then, like... She actually says something play- like, I'm, I'm sick of this sausage party. Yeah, it's... it's it, it, that game was rated T. <laughs> Yeah, also, the, the, the all the girlfriends are, like, the female representation in this game is not very good. They're all, like, catty, call each other bitches and hoes, and they're all just fighting over you. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's something else. Also, it should be noted, uh, whatever girl is your girlfriend at the end of the game, the game has a gallery of all of the <laughs> women, which... You can unlock by spending in-game currency, but you won't unlock the last row. You only unlock the last row if you have that girl with you at the end of the game. They're not, like, super risque pictures or whatever. It's a T-rated game. I've always thought this feature was weird, but, I mean, they're all they're all very attractive women, so hooray, I guess. I'm sure you could see um, more online if you wanted to. I actually found uh, Penny. I googled her once in, like... I don't know. She's kind of insane. But oh, anyway. Nice. <laughs> Your character does change costume throughout uh, Story Mode. I believe it's twice. Once, and when you fight Nori, or N O R E, however you want to pronounce it. And then again, when you fight DMX. Because there's three. When you play as that character in Exhibition afterwards, there's three costumes yeah. that you can pick from. Also, you earn in-game cash, which can be spent, again, on girlfriend pictures or stat upgrades. The game culminates, if I could speak English, that'd be great, with you fighting through the Def Jam tournament, which is like this insanely huge building with just a ton of people there. Uh, you You fight through three guys, and then you fight D Mob, who was the final boss of the game. And it's in this moment, because this game's story is insane. After you win the three-on-one handicap match, D-Mob pays off Manny's debts, and he lays you the fuck out with a baseball bat. Towards the end of the game, D-Mob decides he's going to shoot you 
and Manny jumps in front of him. They wrestle for the gun, and Manny gets shot, and somehow doesn't die while you're fighting off everybody at Def Jam. And the game ends with you getting you get the girl, Angel, and I'm trying to remember the name of the woman that plays her Was in Def Jam. Christina Milian. That's what I was going to say, but I didn't want to be wrong. Uh, but you get her at the end, and then you, for some reason, you befriend Manny again. He's the whole reason you were in this goddamn situation. He cracked you in the skull with a baseball bat, but goddamn, buddy, we're all friends again. And then uh, during the credits, you get the song Stomp the Shit Out You, one word, by CNN, which I still have on my phone. To this, I have like this game's entire soundtrack on my phone. I love it. There's a lot of really... Really interesting, like ripoff characters in this game, because there's a clown named Chuckles who's obviously based on Violent J. Um, there's a guy named Drake who is obviously based on like Slim Shady era Eminem. There's a guy named Sketch who has two different costumes, one of which is just him like as a regular crazy dude, and then when he teams with Chuckles, he has like face paint. And I don't, I've seen people say that's a reference to something, but I can't figure out what because it doesn't look like slipknot or twisted's paint i think are they and not I, he teams with um chuckles so they're just not supposed to be like icp together i guess but he doesn't really look like shaggy hmm. we're reading way too far into this i think, I think. so yeah um, there's uh a guy named roughneck who looks suspiciously like Edward Norton's character in American History X. Yeah, he's uh Oh, I'm looking and at if, um sorry, I just looked at you, Sketch's uh face paint. Is that maybe a reference to like The Exorcist? Maybe? Oh, could be. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Also regarding Roughneck, our totally not neo-Nazi buddy in the tag tournament, he teams with a giant bald white Russian guy. Yep, he sure does. There's there's a like weird variety of like kind of characters because you have like uh you have nine who's got like the fucking the bandana and the like baggy pants or whatever he's, he's like your i guess stereotypical southern california gangster he's also one of my favorite characters in this entire series it sucks that he's like as bad as he is in fight for new york i was heartbroken when i unlocked him and i was like god he sucks in this game he's one of my favorite uh one of my favorite characters and in the first game, I've also heard he was supposed to be like a Tupac stand-in, but I don't... He doesn't look like Tupac. That was like a big game facts theory, I remember, was like all of the characters in the game were supposed to be like like homages to um, like rappers they couldn't license. That's, that's sort of neat. Like It's like carry-on from uh, Virtual Pro when they had, you know, um, wrestlers that were based on actual people, but they didn't have a license. To have rappers in the game that are based on real people, but you don't have a license. That's a neat idea. Right. Also, it should be noted, if you beat the game with all four characters, you unlock the two bouncers from Club Luda. They are insanely overpowered. And they... I want to say these have, like, the most direct moveset ripoffs of anybody in the game, because I remember... I remember one of them just straight up having, like, an Undertaker moveset. And also, I playing this game again, it dawned on me how much more fight forever looks like this game than it does no mercy when you run at somebody and they counter your grapple and they just do a grapple move to you there's no like breaking up the animation no that's in fight forever it's also in this game the quick strike combos that are in fight forever are also in this game the overall like art direction and style of the character models is the same in both games 
I wish this. I, I wish Fight Forever had the pre-match shit talk because that would be hilarious. But it really does look like getting Gatasan on board. It was kind of like, how can we expand upon the last Aki game, really, as opposed to the one before it, the one that we're going to tell everybody it's based on because it's the one everybody has the good memories of. Yeah, this... I think we should also note this: no create mode in this game. No, which is disappointing. And they ended up bringing that in the the in uh, Fight for New York. Yeah, and that's uh, that game is insanely deep. I, I've been playing that a bit lately, and I, I love it. The lack of features in this game so it certainly feels like them sort of rebuilding the engine for use yeah. of the, the PS2 generation. And as you brought up, like, the art style and everything, everything looks really good. The animations, like, you can tell they're, they're from the previous games, but the, the new art style makes them look a bit different in ways. I don't really know how to say it. Yeah, it, it just looks so good, still to this day. I also found it interesting, just a little little note, that they have the uh, Japanese-style corner pads for the rings instead of the turnbuckles. Which I, I guess yeah, was... I've always thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, I guess that was just an, an Aki decision. Yeah, because I, I don't think EA would have necessarily... Ca- like, they obviously they wouldn't didn't care. care, they didn't make a change in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always been funny to me because I was I was saying this to a friend a couple of weeks ago when I started playing through the game again long before I pitched the idea of this week being Def Jam and I was like yeah this really is, it's just like a Japanese wrestling game with with rappers more than it is anything else because it doesn't the rings make it feel more like a Japanese wrestling game than like hey it's No Mercy with rappers like right. it's it's VPW with rappers. I guess would be more accurate to how it, how I feel when I play it, at least. A lot of the animations are, like, the same, the ones that, because most of the animations do carry over, but also some of them got tweaked. There, yeah. There's a little bit more impact on some stuff like the Exploder, it feels like, than there might have been um, the last time that we would have seen them. I think, actually, Ultimate Muscle has the more direct animations for stuff like that, like the, uh, the Exploder and Ultimate Muscle, I remember looking, like, one-to-one, more one-to-one, like the one from VPW2 and No Mercy than this game's. But it also might be the camera angles and stuff that uh, Def Jam uses as well. Yeah, and I mean, the ones that they use, whether it be in, you know, from the previous games or even redone, I mean, they also look really good, so. Yeah, I, I love all of the arenas in this game. Yeah, they're cool. The, uh, the Dragon House, which is like, an Asian fight club underground somewhere, like the Kumite Arena from UFC 4. Yeah, or Bloodsport. Yeah. Yeah, that was obviously probably the uh, the inspiration more yeah. than a game that came out, you know, <laughs> 17 or whatever years later. It was just the closest thing I could think of in a video game. Uh, like, you know, where's that supposed to be located in New York? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You know what's cool though is like uh, looking at the arenas now. You know they would have done a good job with like Club La Vida if they got an opportunity to do that. Yeah, unfortunately we're stuck with Club Luna, which yeah. I don't necessarily mind. Also, should be noted not only do they have the Japanese style rings, they have the Japanese barricades too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, the barricades look more like the barricades that came with those Jacks Mini ring in like the uh, the late nineties. The kind of like. They're like square-ish. They don't look like a bike rack. We should talk about what the... an interesting game. Yeah, um, the AI in in this game, the, the oh yeah, the, the characters get it's it's very cheap to the point where it gets frustrating. It's like you're 
I think this comes from like the older games too. It's it's almost like you're punished for not ending the match early enough because the, your AI opponent gets like a second win. They'll just start reversing everything you do. I think that's sort of based on like the fighting spirit mentality from the earlier games. Yeah, and honestly, even on the lower level opponents, the AI is really, really cheap in this game. It is, yeah. It was. I, I remember this game being a lot of fun as a kid, but like, I think a lot of the fun was just me and my friends doing stupid shit. Like the the blazing moves are all ridiculous. DMXs in particular is just insane. I like if but, you uh, if you go through the tips on the game, like for blazing moves, I feel like it was an unwritten rule in the previous games that like to not lose from especially would just run around and avoid the opponent because there's nothing really else you can do. And it straight up tells you in the tips, it's like, hey, if your opponent's got a blazing move, avoid them, and it shows the character running around the ring. Yeah, the AI also does that when you yes. have uh, you have a blazing. <laughs> the first time I played this game and it did that, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> it knows. It knows. Uh, but the AI is, especially when you get to like the three-on-one handicap Brutal. match in DMX, like the real end stage of the game, it, it would be something if like, if, if the reward was more then like you got the pictures of your girlfriend when you beat the game and like you unlocked D-Mob because like it's in exhibition there's not like a ton to do no. unless you just want to like run random singles matches and tag matches which that's fine the game is the game plays great uh the replay value is is supposed to be in the story but once you beat the story you can't play through it again with that character so once you beat the story four times you're only really left with like that survival mode, which is not the survival mode from No Mercy. Think like a survival mode from a fighting game, where like your health and shit carries over between matches. Not super fun, especially with how the AI likes to just go sicko mode, for lack of a better term. So there's not like a ton of replay value. Honestly, if you sat down, you could probably beat the story mode in like four hours. Yeah, it's like if you really just sat down and committed to it, it's not a super long game. That's what I was doing last night, and then I got to the, the handicap match, and I just said, screw this. Um, yeah, that's when you break out the fucking game shark and give yourself infinite specials and see how they fucking feel about it then. Yeah. I've never done that. I just think it would be funny. I will say that I've never really enjoyed tag team matches in the Aki games because it's always the same format. It's like, wear your opponent down pin them, and then watches your your partner and the, the opponent's partner get in the ring. One tries to stop you, one tries to attack the opponent, obviously. Um, in this game, too, I found it kind of distracting because the, there's no, like, five count, so the opponents and your partner can stay in the ring for a bit. And sometimes I was confused as to who was legal because I swear I saw people switch out that said, no, that's not the legal man. I was like, confused because there's no indication of who's legal and who's not. And sometimes when the yeah. opponent and my partner went, were in front of the camera, it was distracting and I couldn't see what I was doing. So yeah, not a big fan of the tag matches. The, the tag tournament is really brutal, it's especially because yeah. the AI goes like, anybody who's played WrestleMania 2000 is going to know what I'm talking about. The AI goes from, like, you're fighting fucking Scotty Tuhati and fucking Brian Christopher to, like, okay, now you're wrestling fucking Viscera and Midian. Yeah. Like, zero to a hundred. And I don't understand why those guys are so hard in Mania 2000. Gangrel was the same way. Bob Holly was the same way. No idea. I don't know who the fuck at Aki was a fan of those guys. 
Well, I mean, but, God, okay, so I, I, I'm watching WWF 99, and I'll just say how stupid it was that The Undertaker's like, I'm going to be Satan, and his choices for, like, who he's going to have in his group are goddamn Pig and Mabel. What? I, Sorry, I, mean, I went off on a little rant there regarding WWF, but it made no sense. I mean, if I was going to... I mean, it's not like you have a lot to pick from on the 99 Dude, roster. he's Satan. He could have done anything. He could have picked anyone. He could have had, like, Steve Austin under his powers or some shit. But no, he says, I want Pig. I want me. No, see, Steve Austin's immune to that shit, because he's, he's oh, fucking Oh, it's alcohol cold. in the system? Yeah. Well, anyway, That's I'm sure Undertaker could have done a better job than, than what he had picked from. I don't know. There's, like, a section of Twitter that gets mad at you if you rightfully talk about how bad Mabel sucked. Well, um, I say got that to, as somebody who he hadn't got to his dry hole phase yet. So, Ooh, I don't know that I'd ever want to get to that point in a rewatch. <laughs> Def Jam's a great game, though. I think you know, almost twenty years later, it still holds up very well. No, it is like at, at, at its core, like the gameplay is still very fun. The moves look great, the arenas look great, the characters look great. So, yeah, I mean, it's fun. The story mode's not, fun. It's fun until you get to that goddamn match, but. Yeah, unfortunately, as you said before, there's not a lot of replayability unless you just want to run singles matches and tag and survival and all that. And I mean, it's incredibly fun to do that, too. It's just after a while, like, you don't have any sort of, like, match modifiers to kind of mix things up a little bit. Yeah. Which would have helped a lot. Like, I mean, you can win, you can KO your opponent outside with a blazing move. So, like, do you really need false count anywhere, I guess? No. But some weapons would have been great. Yeah, it would have been great if it had weapons and sort of the environment interactivity as the second game had. Like throwing your opponent into the crowd or stuff like that. You know, crowd members. They should have let me use D-Mob's gun on him. That boss fight would have been a little bit goddamn easier. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. They would have still got up. They would have, um, you know, they would have got the second win on the AI in these games. So Probably. Gun? What the fuck does that do? It doesn't do shit. It takes away 50% of the health, but the health still regenerates. A cheese head, point. on the other hand. Yeah, a, a fucking giant copy of The Rock's book. <laughs> I always, like, when people kind of dunk on the sillier weapons that, like, they put in 2K20 and I think are still in 22, or, like, the idea of how goofy some of the weapons look in Fight Forever, it's like, No Mercy had a goddamn book! Yeah, I mean, come on. It was like the size of Hornswoggle, you could hit people with it. <laughs> Come on now. They should have let me hit people with a fucking copy of And Then There Was X. Just a giant copy of the DMX fucking album. <laughs> or It's Dark and Hell is Hot. That would have been probably the more... I mean, they, they do have an intro from that album. They um, do, yeah. In this game. But they've also got Party Up and X going to give it to you. Does, does DMX have the most songs of anybody in the game? Because he's got three. Sounds about right. Does Ludacris have any of... songs in the game? Uh, what would have been his big song at that time? I want to say Rollout, but I know I'm wrong. Well, I guess Move Bitch probably couldn't have made it into the game. True, yeah. had to have done a little, a little too much editing to that one. There would have been a radio version, right? Yeah, but even still, yeah, we're still trying for the T rating at that point. Yeah. But then again, <laughs> there's three DMX songs in the fucking game. As there should be, to be honest. Yeah, he's he's the greatest rapper of all time. I'm a huge fan of do you, DMX. Do you know of DMX Goomba? No. So there's a 
there was an episode of Giant Bomb where they played a uh, Super Mario Maker, yeah. and um, uh, Jeff Grossman does a DMX impression, and Dan Riker is like, well, "What if you put like the DMX impression on the Goombas?" So every time a Goomba pops pops up, it's just Jeff Grossman as DMX going, "Err, what, what?" And it's it's sort of this whole DMX Goomba lore, which is tremendous. And you need to watch that video because it's great. Jesus. Okay, I will. I love DMX um, Goomba. I, I love DMX in general. Rest in peace to to the goat. Um, but yeah, like there's no really whole lot more we can say. I mean, I guess we could go run down descriptions of the whole fucking roster. Nah. Um, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be fun. Um, but if you have the means to play this game, either through it was released on PlayStation Two and GameCube. I feel like we should mention. Yes. Uh, the sequel was on the Xbox as well as the other two systems. If you have the means to play the game, absolutely play it if you've never played it. Even if you have played it, play it again. You'll be surprised by how well it holds up. I, I mean, maybe not, because everybody knows the Aki games kind of pretty much like that shit never really goes out of style. But like, I was sort of surprised by how much I really loved sitting down with this game until I got deep into the story hmm. mode. Yeah, I agree. That shit's frustrating. Yeah. I don't know if it was just I was better at video games when I was like 12 years old or what, but goddamn. I think I had more patience when I was younger, and I was like, I'm gonna goddamn beat this three-on-one match no matter what I do, and I did eventually. And I might go back to it, but now I'm just like, I, I know what the rest of the story is. There's cheat codes, whatever. I don't I don't care enough. Yeah, part of me regrets not breaking out the, the action replay and just unlocking everything and fucking around, but like I have almost everything unlocked as it is. Isn't there um, cheats like just on the, there's cheats just on the menus, right? Like button combinations. I think, but I don't remember any of them. Yeah, I think on, there are. They're on GameFAQ. Everything's on fucking GameFAQ. Yeah. Honestly, we need to we need to archive all of the old Japanese wrestling. Uh, facts on game facts before fandom takes over I'm and like, makes us like completely useless i'm thanked in some of those and i'm like what for i didn't do anything for being you my friend yeah being you <laughs> um but yeah that's that's def jam vendetta great game uh turns 20 here very soon which also means ultimate muscle uh the kanuku man legacy legends versus new generation turns 20 this year and which is crazy because it also means it's been 20 years since they built a family video a block from where I live, which is now the gym that I pay a monthly membership fee to and haven't been to in like four months, five months. Who the hell knows? It's been a long time. It's a block away. I have no excuses, but still. But the first thing I ever rented from that family video was uh, that Ultimate Muscle game, and we'll probably talk about we'll probably talk about that one. I don't know how I would play the PS2 version honestly at this point it's super expensive and it's a game that i've heard famously doesn't emulate very well and so we'd have to see there but there's also multiple ultimate muscle games from aki so yeah there's the kanuku man muscle grand prix games as well yeah uh those are less like wrestling games and more More like weird 3d fighting games but the the gamecube game is where the money is at that game Oh, it's so good. Um, but now that we're, I guess, done with the topic at hand, it's time to move on to another unofficial, official, regular segment on the show, which is wrestling figure discussion. Because there's there's some stuff to get through this week, I suppose. Did you watch the whole Hastel Toy uh, live stream? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. 
God. Um, okay, so I read the notes from the Major Pod Patreon on what was said. It's, it's a humdinger. I, I of, uh, before we get to what he actually said, like he makes a joke. He, the Godfather comes with a cane, and every time he showed the cane, he said, "It's got to be cane." And he made this joke like seven times. And by the end of the thing, I was just like, "Dude, please stop." Stop making that joke. It wasn't funny the first time. It's not funny the seventh time. Stop it. It should also be noted it's not the Godfather. It's Smoke Train Charles. Oh yeah, Wright, sorry, but... that's right. I do you want me to just pull up the shit that they? I'll, I'll yeah, go I'll ahead. pull up with the major pod recap, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, or if they're right or wrong. Okay. He said that the Grapplers and Gimmicks toy line is only a little over a month old when it was announced in October, that's which right. was 73 days prior. He, he did say okay. that. Yep. He said it was a passion project and it's not about making money. Yep. That's horseshit, by the way. Said that he received the 3D printed hand painted resin sample from China. He did have the the smoke train sample and he kept breaking it because it's not like put together correctly as obviously what the finished product would be. And every time he like showed it off, the arms would fall off and the head was, was quite funny. So. I'll cut in with this. Brian Myers said he doesn't believe that uh, Hastel Toys actually has a factory contact in China. Well, isn't he, and going, isn't he going through Rush? Like, isn't that how it's being done? I think, but you would also, he would, he would in theory have to have like, you know, like a point man at the factory to, to submit all the stuff through, unless he's just a hundred percent going through Rush, mm. which as we talked about a little bit before we started recording, I both of these lines feel like a lot of people are going to have egg on their face at the end of the day. Cause I, I don't think we're getting a minute fraction of, of what they're showing off. Um, did you really say you could just paint the missing tattoos on, on the smoke train by buying fucking paint at Walmart? He showed off the paint on screen because I guess some people were unhappy that he doesn't have the, the missing tattoos or whatever. And he was like, hey, if you want, you can do it yourself. The idea was to have the, the tattoos match the old Papa Shango figure. Yeah, that's actually the note right above this. Here's my thing with that, though. If Hasbro continued the line and we did get a Godfather in, like, 98 or 99 or whatever. Yeah, he would have had more deco. Yeah, so That's just the nature of the line. I don't get that. Also, did you pick up on this figure being in the same attire as the BCA Godfather? I didn't, but now that you mentioned it, it, it absolutely is. Yeah, I really wanted that. So they made two versions of that Godfather when I was a kid, both of which had like all of his tattoos, by the way. And I wanted the one that came with the table. And when we finally found another one, it came with a goddamn wheelbarrow, and I was so mad. <laughs> but I still got it because I wanted the Godfather. Yeah, that was, but a great, that's, that was a great figure, the BCE. Yeah, the one of the few. Um, and I say that as somebody who loves those figures, but is also readily willing and able to admit they were maybe not very good. He said that his figures are the Madonna of the original Hasbro. What the fuck does that mean? What? I don't, I don't, I don't remember him saying that. The Madonna of the original Hasbro. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, said that other companies do not model their figures after the Hasbro line. Did he actually say that? Mm, it's been a few days since I watched so I don't remember if he said I think he was insinuating that somebody like Zombie Sailor goes for a more high end you know that doesn't match the, the Hasbro's necessarily in looks and everything and his would be more on point with what Hasbro's originally looked like 
Yeah, that's a separate point that the majors made. Here, here's the thing: you can't say that uh, the other companies don't model their stuff off of the original Hasbro line. When there's been speculation from the start that Chella 3D scanned uh, Hasbro figures to fucking get the base for all of their, not all of their retros, but a bunch of them. And for anybody who has the uh, the Josh Chernoff and Blue Mini two pack, I mean, you 3D scan that million dollar man and take those fucking dollar signs off the singlet or a singlet the tux Ooh. i mean Chellas, i'm not insinuating chellas huh? are the closest to hasbro is even more so than you know wwe's own retro line well when you when you possess the ability to allegedly 3d scan them yeah. and just make slight alterations to them i'm okay with that as long as uh, they turn out good they mostly haven't no, but and, I mean, there's a few that I like. I like the Hayabusa. I like the Bull Nakano. I hate how small that Bull Nakano is. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I don't like the skin color, but other than that, I think it's a, it's it's well done. I paid like $40 for that figure. She should not be half the size of an original Hasbro. I paid less than that. Uh, I think I paid 40 after shipping from Asylum. And also, I saw people saying, like, well, Hasbro would have made the women smaller. No, they would have literally just slapped a bull knocking a head on a fucking Mr. Perfect body. Have you no. seen the last series of the Hasbros? They wouldn't have cared. Yeah, they fucking, they gave Billy Gunn the Jake Roberts body and painted cowboy boots on him. <laughs> Don't fucking tell me they would have put any effort into Bull Nakano, for Christ's no, sake. No, they really give up on that line towards the end when you think about it. Yeah, I still love the green card series, though. Yeah. And the, the pink card series, and the red card series, and the yellow card series. I, I, I love the whole line. Did the Rush guy really say Oriental skin tone in reference to Papa Shango? I mean, I, I doubt the majors would lie about that, but that's he, a he, real interesting fucking word of He did, because when words. he said it, I was like, uh... Yes, he did. And, and here's the thing. Like, I don't think... He looks Asian, the Papa Shango. I don't understand that. And also Oriental. It's fucking 2022. 2023 now. Like, what the fuck? We're still saying that? I guess he is, you know, an Italian guy from New York, so. I, I don't know. I haven't heard anyone use that word. And here's a step for Peacemaker where it was discussed why nobody says Oriental anymore. Great show, by the way, for He's those who haven't seen it said that their turnaround time will be much quicker than the other companies correct me if i'm wrong didn't they take money for like ringmaster series one in like the summer for rush i think so that sounds about right to me then they're gonna be quicker than other companies they're expecting them first quarter uh 2023 right that's when they said they'd be they start going out i think i'm sure they'll hit that deadline Hmm. um we'll see I watched a little bit of that live stream and was really sketched out by like, I maybe it's, and I love you, Dave. Maybe it's because I grew up with PWX, but it feels really easy to spot the bullshit a mile away with stuff like this. Yeah. Even if they do have a quick turnaround, what's, what's the quality going to fucking be like on these? You know what? Obviously there's a whole mess of cello, but their idea of just putting on their website (laughs) Hey, he has when this is started production, a prototype was made of this, and for different wrestlers, that's that was such a good way to do things. I hate these videos now because this is the the this just came a little bit after Rush did theirs, where they're saying we know what we're doing. We're it's like I'm just sick of that. Like 
if you know what you're doing, you don't need to tell me. You get your product out. I don't want to hear anymore. Don't bullshit me. Well, they're bullshitting everybody. And actually looking at the Cello website now, the Big Daddy figure is shipped, and so is the Mustache Dynamite Kid and Giant Haystacks. And it, they're all like in various stages of not being completed. I get that Cella had their uh, their issues recently, and they've, I guess, handed the business over to Wrestling Trader. And that, from things I've seen and read, seemed to, seems to be like a real bumpy transition they're going through there. Yeah. I wanted to like the Cella line so much because they were first to market. They were doing like the direct Hasbro ripoff cards more so than zombie even because zombies zombies are direct, but they're different enough to where Hasbro probably wouldn't send him a legal letter. Probably. Um, and we'll talk, we'll talk more about zombie and potential, I guess, legalities here in a minute. But when I got that Nick Aldis in hand, I was like, this figure sucks. Yeah, it's really bad. And then people people were like, well, the Meanie and Chernoff 2-pack is better. And it is. Not much, but it is. And then, you know, I bought Dynamite Kid because it's Dynamite Kid. And, and that, that figure feels like three figures mashed together. Mm-hmm. Which, not good. I bought Bull Nakano because it's the first figure ever, ever. Or at least first figure that's not like a mini big head. And I thought that figure sucked. And then I bought Hayabusa because it's Hayabusa. And I was not particularly thrilled with that one either, if I'm being honest. And I've seen people put that next to the Zombie Sailor Sabu. And the difference in quality is staggering. They did some really scummy shit. Like, I guess the guy who was the uh, the one in charge of Chella fucked with the... Um, the bone crushing wrestlers and was a big reason why those haven't been delivered yet and had been dragging his feet on a lot of stuff. There's so... I don't know. I don't have a lot of what well, has been hit or hit and miss. I mean, I overall, I would say that like, I, I do like their figures. I mean, they're cheaper. They don't cost me an arm and leg to get shipped to me. Um, and I've been happy with like the, the Brian Clark, as we talked about before. I like that figure. The Hayabusa is still in package on my wall. I like looking at it. The Nakano, you know, I like overall. The Dynamite was a disappointment for sure. They've announced so many figures and it's crazy. Like I- I'm waiting on my Haku that I ordered a while ago. Um, there's ones that I'd, I'd still like to buy myself, like, like the Killer Bees. Um, they announced Road Warrior Animal from SummerSlam 92. They didn't announce Hawk, so we'll see how that goes. Demolition, you know, I'd like those Demolition figures. Onita, that's another one they announced. There's so many to go through, and who knows when we'll actually get them. It's interesting. They they showed Animal and Zombie showed Hawk. And I forgot about this until recently. Uh, Zombie, in his Instagram story, showed off, like a little sneak preview of road warrior hawk which i'll send to you because i don't know if you've seen no, it no i haven't this also features a different facial expression than the original sketch he's clearly got the tongue out and shit whereas right. the initial the initial sketch was him straight faced with a picture of somebody's 2k19 car <laughs> off <laughs> to the right. left for reference i i have a lot of faith in zombie because he has delivered like quality shit and for anybody who is familiar with action figures, you know where I'm headed with this. Uh, Zombie Sailor announced this week he is doing what he said he was never going to do, or that he wasn't currently planning to do. Depends depends who it was that asked him uh, the response. 
he is branching off into the six inch elite style figure. Um, showed off Jeff Jarrett. So if nothing else, if you're a fan of like unreleased Jeff Jarrett figures, Zombie Sailor's your guy. We just got the the orange card Jeff Jarrett has been shipping. I actually have both of mine. They are fantastic. I'll talk about that in a minute. But he showed off a Jeff Jarrett that people immediately started saying looked exactly like the Mattel Jeff Jarrett. And n- no, no, it doesn't. Um, the hat and glasses are completely different on the zombie figure. Zombie figure doesn't have a visible double elbow joint. Uh, the zombie figure is wrist tape, no thigh cut, clearly like sculpted tights on the legs, different double knee joint, uh, different boots. The head sculpts also don't look exactly like the Mattel one. That Mattel one looks like a scan of Jeff Jarrett. The zombie sailor one looks like somebody did a good job sculpting Jeff Jarrett. This was a real like, and I saw accounts that have like actual followers, like follow, like a big following that were like, oh, I need D freedom from the major pod to pull out the fucking microscope and look at this or whatever. And it's like, no, you don't. You have eyes. Look, they don't yeah. look anything fucking alike. Like, I haven't. What uh, are you fucking talking about? I haven't got into them myself because I don't really care about Jeff Jarrett, but I don't think he would be one to. I mean, Zombie Sailor is an asshole from what I've seen, but he knows his stuff, and I don't think he'd be one to copy Mattel one for one, so. Well, he certainly wouldn't have somebody scan a fucking British Bulldog Elite and then have, like, a couple of swipes done in ZBrush <laughs> and then take a year and a half to ship the fucking thing Yeah. after taking people's money and ghosting them for months. I'm, so- I'm sorry, am I, am I still mad about that Dynamite Kid figure? You're goddamn right. Anyway, <laughs> um... This figure looks great. Zombie is, especially if you're from the UK, he's like public enemy number one to some collectors over there. Has always been super nice to me anytime I've ever asked him a question. He's very respectful uh, when he replies. My order for Heels and Faces Series 1, I ordered two of Sabu, two of Bravo, two of Hebner. Shit happens. I got sent one of each. and was like When I saw the box, I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way that's my order. I DM'd him, and in like two minutes, he was like, dude, I am so sorry. You'll have a tracking number within a day or two. And I had my figures like five days later. I, I saw people trying to bang on his customer service. He was he was excellent. I I know I know the way he handled the whole like European distribution really rubbed people the wrong way. But also these were people who had decided from the jump because of previous things he had done in the community that they didn't like him and they wanted to, they wanted to root for their home team, which was cello toys and all the stuff about like zombies really shady and there's no communication and he, he's never going to ship product and all of the stuff that they hit zombie for, like it all ended up coming back around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, the difference in quality with what he's shipped versus what they've shipped I've seen people say like the Jarrett and the Bravo and the Hebner, they don't fit in with the Hasbro figures. I have them on my shelf in a ring with Hasbro's. They look right at home. I have the I put Haya- the Bravo and it works quite well with the Hasbro's. So. I put Hayabusa on the outside of the fucking Hasbro ring. He's taller than everybody. He's <laughs> bulkier than a lot of them. And I, I love how people pretend like Hasbro's because like they want to say the retros are the closest. The Mattel ones. Like, oh, Hasbro's not- were very detailed like fucking 
you think Hasbro didn't have detailed sculpts, go look at goddamn like any of the Ultimate Warriors they did. Or like the Mr. Perfect body where they, they sculpted the seams of the singlet and like fucking muscle definition underneath. They didn't have to. They just did it. The, or um, like the Yokozuna body or like fucking like literally any figure in the line. They didn't look like Fisher Price toys like the goddamn Mattel retros. Um, the, the, the retros, I just, I still to this day cannot get over Jim Nidart being so slim, you know, compared to his Hasbro when it looks a hell of a lot more like Jim Nidart. It's it's so bad. And then you've got like the, the managers like me and Gene, well, a commentator, announcer, but a manager like uh, Jimmy Hart that's so bulky it's it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and fucking jimmy hart uses the same body as me and gene yep that's another thing people talk about parts reuse with the hasbro line that doesn't become like a big issue until like the 92 93 era sets because they start tooling way less new bodies and just start working with what's there because the sales of the figures are going down wrestling's not very popular but even if they, um, if they relative did, to what it was, even if they did reuse bodies, I mean, it wasn't as jarring as it is with the the Mattel, right? You know? Like you you had body what? types that made sense, but with these Mattel figures, they don't at all. No, they don't, and I don't get why. Like, you can't you can't tool a mean gene that's like smaller than the wrestlers. You would think. Why Why is the body they used on Roddy Piper that they also used on Seamus and fucking Nikolai Volkov and Sami Zayn? Why is that body so small and stubby? It looks like it's from a different line completely. Well, the, the Jim Nighthawk one is the same one as like Iron Sheik and like Ultimate Warrior, which are like three completely different body types in real life. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. It's crazy. N- no effort. Well, remember uh, Retro Series 9, Goldust... Uh, Randy Orton and Randy Savage all essentially have the same yep. fucking action feature, That's the same true, body. Yeah. Like they they got super lazy with that line, and I say that as somebody who at one point had all but like four of those figures on card. I'm still getting them because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I'm buying those NWO ones. Oh, yeah. Those actually look good. Yeah, those are actually good. I think I said this to you a couple of weeks ago. There are a couple of episodes. Excuse me, episodes ago. That NWO set, in a weird way, kind of looks like if original San Francisco toy makers decided to do Hasbro-style figures instead of LJNs. Yeah. Like, that's just what those figures would have been. Um, as for Zombie Sailor uh, Heels and Faces Series 1, obviously Jeff Jarrett's announced. This is the first render shown. I feel like you have to do Dino Bravo, just because, like, he's been a big want for a lot of people since the classic Superstars line. As for the other two figures in the set, honestly, I'm doing Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka if I'm him just because. Tanaka's never had a figure. Awesome hasn't had one since 2000. That's also the ECW fan in me. So the ECW fan in me isn't necessarily concerned with how much money things make. It's very much like Paul Heyman in that way. (laughs) I mean, you could do the Road Warriors because he has them signed. We don't know know if he has any of these people signed for six-inch figures, though. That's true. Which is kind of the... I think people auto- automatically assume that because he's made the retros that he would have them, but not necessarily. That's not necessarily the case. Maybe there's some of the contracts he had, like he had foresight to get the six inch rights. Hmm. I, I don't know. I know that allegedly the contracts were for retro style figures and he had exclusivity for like X amount of time. 
I really, really wish he could have got that RVD out before RVD signed the Fed Legends deal. Yeah. But that also, the RVD situation brings me to Jeff Jarrett. There's been a lot of speculation. And on the Wrestling Figs forums, again, they have this like weird, like, I don't want to say mental illness, but that's kind of what it is, where like they just latch on anything that even remotely looks like it could negatively impact Zombie Sailor and they blow it up and they're like just gleefully posting about it. There was speculation that AEW would kibosh the Jeff Jarrett figure. There's two reasons I don't think that's going to happen. One, this deal was almost certainly done before Jeff Jarrett signed with AEW. Absolutely. Matt Cardona confirmed on their podcast, and I remember being told this at the time because I wasn't listening to the major podcast. Matt Cardona confirmed in like August that Jeff Jarrett figure from Mattel was not coming. Jeff Jarrett doesn't sign and show up, sign with and show up in AEW until like November. That's a three month window where Zombie could have signed Jarrett and made the fucking the six inch figure right um a reality so i don't think and i don't think the zombie contracts have like a kill clause in them where like if you sign with this company this contract's immediately null and void it wouldn't make any sense to do business that way i'm also not zombie and i'm also not his lawyer so what well, the fuck do i know i think if it was going to be kibosh then he, he wouldn't have showed it off right like he must have had some inkling he must have known well people tried to bring up the rvd situation but if you remember the rvd was revealed like way before it's either way before or right before the fucking fed deal and if rob didn't fucking tell him about that beforehand that's really sketchy yeah that's that's like really shitty i Jarrett signing beforehand is one of the reasons i don't think that uh they would get kiboshed and two is like how do i want to put this what's aew gonna claim like I don't think actually the, the real number two reason other than what is AEW going to claim is Jeff Jarrett's not going to fucking sign his merch rights over to anybody at this point exclusively. He went through like that years long court battle with fucking Anthem and TNA to get his fucking name and likeness back. You think Jeff Jarrett's going to hand that over to fucking AEW or anybody for that matter? No, no, no. The king of the carnies is not going to fucking bow down. <laughs> that's, that's not how that works. But also, like, again, what's AEW going to claim? You're making an action figure of Jeff Jarrett based on the 90s. Yes, the 90s. And specifically the WWF, which is something AEW's line, they're, they're, they don't want to step on your toes. They don't want to step on the Fed's toes. They don't want to get anywhere near the foot. Literally, all they would have to do is say, like, oh, this is 1999 Taz. Okay. There you go. But, oh, he's he's in gear that the WWE owns footage of him wrestling in that gear. And they're scared. So what what are they what are they gonna kibosh a Jeff Jarrett figure they have no intention to fucking make anyway? You you're gonna take money away from Jeff Jarrett? Because I gotta tell you, I, I get the feeling Jeff Jarrett's the kind of guy that doesn't like his money being fucked with. I think it'll be fine. I mean, like I said, if it if it yeah. wasn't, I think it would have already come like it they wouldn't have been announced. Because that was showing off after he already signed with AEW, so Yeah, like two months after. Yeah. And uh I, th- I think the render looks good. I'm excited to see the rest of the series. It's going to be four figures. Price point has not been announced, but if he's charging 40 as a baseline for the retros, you're probably looking at 60 bucks for the six inch figures, which I mean, that's more than power town, which I mean, it remains to be seen what all comes with the zombie figures. Multiple heads already puts it ahead of power town in terms of just stuff. Hmm. Uh, multiple sets of hands also puts it ahead because Power Town, most of the characters, it's like one swappable hand, if that. 
so like you can make the argument multiple heads multiple hands higher deco and accessories you, you could probably make the argument they they should cost more than power town but i think that's also going to largely be dependent on the quality of the talent because right. he said um it's all top tier talent well top tier talent's subjective to a lot of people in wrestling people with all due respect people think the majors are top tier talent i don't i like kurt hawkins or brian myers um I think Matt Cardona pissing GCW fans off is incredibly funny, but I don't. They've already got two waves of Super Seven figures. They were already in heels and faces series. They're one. everything. They're the retros. Yeah, they've had. And, and a friend of mine made a mention like two years ago. It really seems like those guys are trying to have figures of them made in every style. They've already got dozens of elite style figures. They've done dozens, that. handful, basically. Yeah. So. I don't think we need them in series one with all due respect. I think if you were going to put a tag team in and specifically a tag team zombie had signed goddamn road warriors are right there unless they've signed with power town, in which case that's unfortunate, but I'm really excited to see who he has uh, in the pipeline. Someone in the major pod Facebook group mentioned uh, they'd really like to see a Chris Candido. I would too. Yeah. Candido's had two figures which the second one's just a shitty yellow attired repaint of the first one. And those came out when I was in second grade. So that's a long time. It's 23 years ago. I'd love to see Chris King Dito get a new action figure. I'd love to see Shane Douglas get a six inch action figure because of that figures toy company one sucks. Oh, I'm sorry. Candido did get a figures toy company figure. What the fuck am I? How, how dare I forget those figures, right? Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. But I'd love to see Candido and Douglas get figures, especially because Mattel dropped that that sweet uh, ECW era Bam Bam. You want to give me, you know, Candido and Douglas to go with it? I'm not going to complain. Obviously, he's got Tajiri signed. That would be great. He's got Ultimo signed as well, but Boss Fight, which we'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, Boss Fight's already doing an Ultimo. Which should so... come in September 2023, according to Amazon. I've still got it pre-ordered. Well, the Conan and Lady Maravilla have shipped, and it seems like Fanatico Series 2 uh, shouldn't be super-duper far behind, but it's also boss fight, so... I guess they changed the skew, um, right? Because I saw some pictures of Conan, and it looked more in line with uh, Mattel. Well, Conan Conan's bigger than the Lucha Bros anyway. Hmm. So he's he was always going to be bigger than them. Um, speaking of boss fight... Uh, Monday, January the 9th. So by the time this comes out, these will already have been up for pre-order. Uh, Major League Wrestling MLW Series 1, Mads Kruger, who just recently got released, <laughs> uh, Jacob Fatu, and Alexander Hammerstone. Uh, I will absolutely buy Mads Kruger and Jacob Fatu. I'm a big fan of both those guys. Uh, there is an MLW ring coming with Cesar Duran, who Lucha Underground fans will remember was Dario Cueto. I'm very excited to see what these look like. I love the Lucha Bros that they did in the premium line for Boss Fight. I really got to get the Conan and Lady Maravilla figures. I think the Conan is such a unique, such a cool, like vibrant, colorful figure. It, it would just look cool on a shelf. I also need to pre-order uh, Perito and Ultimo from Fanatico Series 2. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what these MLW figures look like tomorrow. Unfortunately, we won't be able to pre-order them until later this week when I get paid. But again, I'm I'm absolutely in on Mads Kruger and Fatsu. And if you haven't seen it, 
It might still be on YouTube. Those two had a weapons of mass destruction match at the ECW arena, which already sounds really weird and wacky. Uh, that match finishes with Mads Kruger being like put into like a fucking like nuclear waste box. And they do these like weird glowing light effects. It's in the ECW arena. What? It's just so stupid. It's like, it sounds like Chamber of Horrors or something. Oh, no, no, buddy. This is... Dusty would have been proud of this, I will say that. <laughs> you know, baby, you don't put him in nuclear waste, if you will. And he came back from it, too! Of like, he did. He's exposed, he's exposed to fucking nuclear waste, and he's just back. He should have came back looking like the guy from Robocop. God, yeah. Yeah, there would have been money in that. And I guess his last thing he did on MLW TV was he feuded with Mance Warner, who it looks like is not being signed to AEW. So if the MLW figure line wants to give me an old Mancer in a Davy Richards in series two, I would be all about it, especially Davy Richards, because Eddie Edwards allegedly has an impact figure on the way. I need the other half of the American Wolves and also the half of the American Wolves I, I like better. Which is crazy, because tell me, like, 12 years ago, I would ever say I like Davey better than Eddie, but but I did, it's like picking my favorite kid. I love them both. They're both great. Is there any other, like, significant figure news? Um, Mattel hasn't announced anything recently that I can think of. Oh, on the 4th, the Ultimate Edition uh, Attitude Era ring with Kane went up on Mattel Creations. I think it's 140 bucks. Good lord. I mean... You're getting a unique cane. It's not a redeco. They sculpted a new upper torso with like the cuts for the um, where Kane had like the cutouts with mesh. So it's it's in effect a new figure in a cool like windowless box. The ring itself, I have the new gen ring. I'm looking at it right now. It's my favorite wrestling figure ring that's ever been made. Uh, makes a great sound. I have in no way just had a bunch of figures bump around in it just because I like the sound. Uh, super easy to set up. A lot of fun to set up, too, actually, because it's, again, it's so simple. And if you look at the instructions, it looks like it's going to be difficult and tedious, but it's it's not. Um, also, I just, I love the entrance and that, that whole thing. I was so happy I backed that. There's another drop, I want to say the 23rd, which I think is going to be the next wave of retros, which is made in the USA Lex Luger, 94 orange and blue babyface doink, although not in the paint scheme of the Hasbro unreleased figure, which I think they're really missing the boat on. Like, just do these as Hasbro was going to do them. Uh, Tugboat and Rhythm and Blues Greg Valentine. It's not confirmed. I don't think that that's the next drop, but that's what everybody thinks is the next drop on Mattel Creations. Yeah. And those, those figures all come on orange card, which I get it, but Valentine and Tugboat were going to be released on blue cards. So, like, I don't like that orange card is potentially going to become, like, the cute little, like, buzz phrase for unreleased Hasbro. Maybe that's just me, but I I, I don't like it. No, it's it's mixing it up in a weird way. Um, but you just did remind me that I have the uh, the cello, Greg Valentine, on pre-order. I completely forgot. That's um that's a neat looking figure, I guess, but I, I like the Mattel one a little better only because they went with the same body style. It's crazy. He's gonna that, have the clothesline. Like I get it, but it's crazy that there's two <laughs> Greg Valentine figures coming out that are the same essentially 
around the around the same time. It's just wacky, you know. Greg yeah. Valentine, hot yeah. seller. Dude looks well, like someone. Also, grandma. remember a few years ago when we got the Greg Valentine Elite, and someone who may be a host of this podcast uh, remembered when Bill from Mattel went on Wrestling Fix was like, "Do people really want Greg Valentine?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we do actually. Well, I I'm a huge Greg Valentine fan and always have been. Like, I don't know why like fucking little me would just mark out whenever I got a Coliseum video with Greg Valentine on it. But like you get older and you realize he really is just like he's like the seventies version of Choshu. He's it rules. He's just a grand. But yeah, I'll probably get the, the Mattel one as well. because um, I'm crazy like that. I mean if Mattel wants to put out another Greg Valentine, even if it's a rhythm and blues elite, I'll buy it. It's it's the hammer. I'd buy that. I'm yeah. a big fan. I also I mean, just do the do the Legends Elite one from a couple of years ago with the uh the new uh pinless double jointed arms. There you go. I just, just made you a whole bunch of fucking money, Mattel. I've just got you just put the idea in my head too that you could get like a, a Greg Valentine and custom it and make a, a choshu. Yeah. Yeah. And there's easy. people on Instagram that do really, really good uh three D head sculpts yeah. too, so you wouldn't even have to paint Choshu's uh or Choshu Valentine's hair black to do it either. No. And also I've gotta say this, I used to dog the Mattel line, like the elites and stuff in terms of quality. Last year might have been my single favorite year of releases from them ever. Cause you've got like the Mania One Hogan, which is a fucking fantastic figure. I own three of them. Uh, the Coliseum Collection, which is a fantastic concept that they're expanding on this year. You've got the Mania 7 Ultimate Warrior, which is, again, phenomenal. Um, the Kane and Undertaker Ultimates dropped last year. The New Generina shipped last year. Um, the Shawn Michaels Fan Takeover, the Red and White, which I'm What a right figure now. that is, too. Yeah. yeah. I actually was, too. He's on the shelf, like right yeah, next he's to right my in front Mania of me. 8 Savage. The gold they they put out yeah that's another good one they they really didn't miss with any of those fan takeover ultimates I wish Goldberg's legs were a little thicker they weren't so skinny but goddamn they got the rest of the figure perfect yeah they they did some it's like a work. modern version of yeah the Goldberg's a modern version of Smash and Slam series one especially yeah. if you put the screaming head on him like I did yeah that's what I did as well. I feel like I also have to give Jazzwares some props. Uh, the Supreme Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestling figures I have ever seen, and I've seen a lot. I don't know why. Every head sculpt they've ever done for Kenny is, like, dead on. They, they fuck up everybody else, but there's not, like, one bad Kenny Omega head sculpt. He's probably messages him and being and like, hey, you better get me right. He probably did it like an anime villain. Like, hello there, Magic. I want my head sculpts to be accurate. Or however, I don't know. It's like the worst Kenny Omega impression I've ever done. I've done a couple of them. But like all four of the head sculpts, and I said that right, four, they look fantastic. They Obviously being Supremes, you get two attires with them. So there's the attire from when he won the belt and the attire from, uh, I actually believe the other attires from the match where he loses it to Hangman. Mm -hmm. So you have the beginning and the end of the reign. There's the Walmart exclusive one that is going to have like the red tights that he wore for basically the majority of his reign. I really... Would love to get that one, but I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. But yeah, that Supreme Kenny was a a very bright spot in an otherwise kind of dire year for that. Oh, the Supreme Cody too, both of them, amazing. New Japan are they done with what they were with Super Seven, right? Oh yeah, that line's been uh, yeah that line that line's long gone, buddy. Like, do you think that they'll sign with somebody else, or do they don't just not sell very well? 
Oh, they sold pretty well, from what I understand. They did. They did what? well. It was just New Japan was a pain in the ass to deal with. Oh, that's a shame because there's so much potential with New Japan figures, not just with like current, but like Legends as well. Like I was just thinking about the Liger that I have, and if they could get like a Tiger mask or like a Black Tiger, that'd be super cool. So, Super Seven initially wanted to do Legends in their New Japan line, and New Japan told them you have to make Okada. And Tanahashi. <laughs> yeah, Brian Flynn detailed it on um, on a major interview. And also, he, zero chance he listens to this. I used to talk to TJ from Super 7, who was like kind of the designer. Like that line was like his passion project, his baby. He's no longer with Super 7. So I don't, think, I don't think anybody's going to be mad if, if I divulge this information. There were plans at one point to do Kenta and Shibata. Ooh. As of the summer of 2019, or no, I'm sorry, not the summer, the fall of 2019, after we had seen Series 1, they had just done the angle where Kenta turns heel on Shibata. Everybody's going nuts because we think Shibata's going to wrestle again. And then when he does, it's not even against Kenta. Go figure. Um, but he told me, like, those guys were on tap for Series 4. We, we got to Series 2 <laughs> before everything fell apart. Um, I th- there's aspects of those figures I like, like the soft goods entrance gear that comes with them. Like the the coat for Okada is ridiculous. The the coat for Tanahashi is great. Evil. If you put all the entrance gimmicks on that evil figure, it's an all time classic. But then you've got like Naito with fucking giraffe neck syndrome because his head can't sit too low, or else you won't be able to like get the hoodie off of him. Which is another thing they did with Tanahashi. His head sits up super high on the peg so it doesn't like clamp down on the entrance gear. I hate that. I didn't even care that they didn't do double jointed elbows or knees or that they didn't have like a thigh cut. The zombie figure doesn't have a thigh cut. The fucking Power Town figures don't have a thigh cut. I don't care. If they look good, they look good. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But they badly missed pre order windows. And obviously, November 19. I mean, 2019 was when series one of pre-order. Have I ever told you the story about this? No, I don't think so. Okay. So I was so gung ho for those. Cause I wanted any attempt at making Japanese wrestling figures for the American market. I wanted to succeed because if they're successful, we get more of them. I was working at, well, fuck it. We're not going to get sued for this. I was working at Walmart at the time. And I was working, like, doing online grocery pickup, and uh, I kept refreshing the Super 7 site on my phone between, like, orders. And it was literally right before I went home, standing at the door of the meat cooler where I barely had cell phone reception, I ordered the entire first series. (laughs) It was like, oh, man, I'm going to have these in hand in six months, and then in March, the pandemic happened. (laughs) And then I didn't have... And then, so, Super 7... The way it worked, Ringside ended up paying to have their shit express shipped. So they ended up having their orders out like two months before Super 7 did. God. So I ended up ordering an extra Tanahashi and Okada from Ringside. And somehow that ended up being two Tanahashi and Okadas. So I have three of those figures. Um... 
I have my whole original Super 7 set, like the one I got directly from them, still in the shipper boxes, never opened. My extra Tanahashi Okada, and I guess I ordered an extra Ishii, those are all on my shelf in my living room, like the Japanese wrestling figure shelf. I guess it was just such a pain in the ass dealing with New Japan, and eventually the deal ran out. It was only for a couple of years. That's so, such a shame. There's so much more that they could have done with those. Yeah, if they had better factor turnaround times, man. But also, have you ever heard what the, the Super 7 employee was telling people the third series was going to be? Because I'm kind of glad we didn't get it. No. Jay White, the Gorillas of Destiny, and Hiroki Goto. And when I heard that lineup, I was like, sweet, I'm buying Goto, and that's it. I don't give a fuck about the other three. <laughs> and, like, I remember when I would talk to TJ, I was like... It's kind of crazy New Japan greenlit Ishii for Series 1 instead of, like, you know, forcing you to make, like, Naito or something. Right. And the idea, I guess, was they were telling stories with the series because it was three members of Chaos, and then you had Tanahashi to fight them. And then the second set was Los Ingobernables de Japón, which, looking back, I love the Bushi figure, but maybe they could have gave me a Shingo. Maybe instead of Evil, they could have made Shingo. Yeah, Shingo Can I just get a Shingo Takagi figure, please? Yeah. That's all I want. And then the third one, obviously, would have been Bullet Club, and then Gold would fight them. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking notorious Bullet Club opponent, Hiroki Goto. Yeah. They should have got uh, uh, Yoshitatsu. But I'm, he's not in New Japan anymore, but he was a Bullet Club hunter. Yeah, him and Billy Gunn. Yes, and... Captain New Japan, who ended up becoming Bone Soldier, and now is nowhere. Yeah, he may or may not have had some gambling problems. <laughs> Him and Tano it's okay because they have the new Bone Soldier, which is um. Ishimura. Well, nobody, nobody's the gambling debt king, which is obviously Yasuda. Um, what a character. My hope is that fucking New Japan, because if you want to expand in the West, and I was saying this years ago. Two of the key things you need, I think, to be a major promotion here are action figures and video games because they're so they're so ingrained in what Western fans especially think about professional wrestling. Because for better or worse, for the better part of the last 40 years, we've had wrestling figures on the shelves in most major stores in America. And I'm assuming it's been like that in Canada, too, because typically if it gets distributed here, you guys will eventually get it. Yep. Or you get it at the same time we do. Or you guys get the black card LJNs and we get jack shit. It happens. Or that, you know, posted box set, which I thought was so cool when I was a kid. And then I never, my aunt and uncle that lived up in Canada, oh, we'll, we'll look for it for you. Yeah, they fucking didn't. No. <laughs> Motherfuckers. But no, but, it would be, be cool if they had a new figure deal and a video game deal, obviously. But I don't know. I feel like New Japan sort of drags their feet with those sort of things. Well, also, there's, and we're going to, we, we could get really into the weeds with this. It's crazy how they deal super well with other companies from, like, Asia, but when it comes to dealing with American partners, they tend to drag their feet. Because, like, Storm Collectible got those approvals for Liger like that, man. We had, we had, like, five Liger figures before we got one fucking New Japan series from Super 7. Yeah, those Liger figures are cool as well, so. I have a bunch of them. I have the white and red, the black gear. I have the all red from the Noah feud, and I have the debut Liger. Yeah, I have the debut. It's it's fair to say he might be one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. <laughs> um, Mine too. Yeah, I I love that guy. 
it broke my heart that his fucking retirement matches were the opener on the Tokyo Dome shows. And then he fucking, of all the people to drop the fall to, he drops the fall to fucking Taguchi. <laughs> and I get that, like, well, he's he's the young guy in the match. I don't give a fuck. Let Kanimoto pin him. Did Let you, fucking Otani pin him. Did you see the uh, Great Muda retirement match, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, fucking Darby Allen and Marafuji in the same ring. Let's go. I, I don't know about those opponents, though. I mean, like, Hakushi, there's some history there. Akira's a weird one. And then Marafuji. And they couldn't get to Jiri. Yeah, that That's makes all sense. That's it is. They couldn't get to Jiri. Marafuji makes sense, I guess, too, because he's had history of, like, uh, with uh, Muda recently. But uh, And, I, of course, you know, Marafuji's a notorious opponent of Sting. <laughs> yeah, big feud there. And... In EWR and TEW and Fire Pro Wrestling. Do you remember though? He was they had the M's Alliance and him and Muta were like a tag team and Marafuji was wearing Muta paint and stuff. Yeah, the great Mara. Yeah. Well, who, so like I, I mean, maybe who else could they have put in there? Maybe Kojima, but he's teaming with Segura. To me, I was I was hyped when I saw that six man. The thing that stole the show for me in terms of the match announcement today. Because we're Suzuki getting Hideki Suzuki versus Sakuraba. Sakuraba. Yeah, that's cool. I like somebody sent me that, and I sat up in bed and went, "Oh fuck yeah!" That was those the best possible news to wake up to. Because like my phone had a bunch of messages, and that usually only happens when somebody dies. Today it was because, but today it was uh, it was because people wanted me to see the fucking Hideki and Sakuraba were having a match. It's funny because for some reason recently I've been thinking about when the Gracies were in New Japan. Do you remember that? It was like, was it Sakuraba and Shinsuke? Yeah, and then it was uh, Sakuraba and Yano. Do you remember one of the Gracies? Or no, it was Yano and Izuka yeah. against those guys. Yeah. Do, do you remember like one of the Gracies like laughing throughout the entire match or smiling? Yeah, that was uh, Hull's Gracie. Yeah, the that one so that Saku does the singles match with. And then there's Daniel Gracie who... I could turn this into a podcast about him and the kind of people that he trains with in South Florida, but I'm not going to. No, that's not. But fuck him and fuck the Gracies in general. Yeah. I remember so many people like Dave Meltzer at the time was like, oh, this brought the fans weren't into this because it brought up so many bad memories of that era of New Japan. And I was like, no, Dave, it brought up your bad memories of that era of New Japan because they weren't doing fucking five star head drop classics like they were in Noah. Fuck you. Uh, there's a there's a lot about that era of New Japan that's just like bullshit conventional wisdom passed down from people who weren't happy that New Japan wasn't doing the style of wrestling that they liked, and that shit needs to go away, I like should... forever. Since it was uh, we were talking about Sakuraba, I did purchase the Sakuraba Chara Pro figure. I got it from Bai through a uh, Yahoo Japan auction. I got it for five bucks Canadian. And then it was like, yeah, and then there was like inspection and stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll do that. I didn't really need to, but I did. And then it was like $15 Canadian. I was like, I'm okay with that. So it gets sent to Bai's um, warehouse in Japan, and then they send it to me. But they charged me $40 for shipping. So, Mm. yeah, I paid $5 for this figure, and then I got to the shipping, and I was like, fuck. But uh, what are you going to do, I suppose? I actually used Bai to buy stuff from the Big Japan store because they don't ship to the U.S. Yeah. And uh, I ended up getting the Tag League DVD they did for, I think, 2015 and 2016 because I wanted to see the um, 
Sekimoto and Okabayashi versus uh, Shuji Ishikawa and Kohei Sato matches because those ma- those matches don't miss. Those those are all great. And they had one that was in a parking lot in front of like maybe eighty people, and they still went nuts in that match. It was great. Um, but I had no problem uh, buying buying things through them. No, I, think I actually just, they've just changed their shipping. I think recently. Yeah, because I didn't pay that much for the shipping on on that stuff when I got it from them. I also uh, used to order from Totocon a lot, and I actually got the Big Japan 20th Anniversary program, and it's signed by a ton of people. Yeah, I used to be really big into Big Japan, but it's it's like WWE. It's the fucking, it's the place where time does not advance. It's the same guys doing the same shit, except they're all older. I guess Kamitani's their deathmatch champion now, because when you're when you're a guy who has a ton of potential to be the top star in the, the regular quote-unquote wrestling uh, division of the company, you just fucking flounder for years, and then you have to goddamn become the deathmatch champion. It's a shame. It's a real shame. Sure is. But, uh... Oh, we should probably announce this. I asked. He said yes. So the next episode of Critical Episode 12... Oh. What? Sorry, I just said congratulations. Uh, um, we will be discussing, because I assume whatever we record next week will end up dropping. I mean, it's not going to drop for the anniversary, but it will be around the anniversary. This month is the 23rd anniversary of the release, release of Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. And we had talked about, because the first episode that we thought we recorded was about the Aki games and the pursuit of copying the engine. And I don't know how many times during it I said we should have had Freemon for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I asked him and he said he'd set an alarm. So the next episode presumably is going to be virtual pro wrestling two with Freem, who I consider to be the, the fucking, the foremost expert on the Aki engine. He also did that really sweet ROM hack BPW two Freem edition, which we will absolutely be talking to him about. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that because I've never actually talked like verbally, vocally to Frame. It's all been, you know, through text. So that'll be that'll be interesting. I have no idea where we go after this. <laughs> um, I have an idea. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about that off air then. But okay. uh, I guess that about wraps it up. This is episode 11 of Critical. I'm Mongo. He's Liger Busa. And God willing, if the nukes don't drop, we'll see you next week.